On this edition of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast, play ball. Baseball Alberta and the Western Canadian Baseball League are ramping up their summer plans as COVID-19 restrictions loosen. Welcome to episode 134 of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. I'm Joe McFarland. It feels like it's been a long, long time since we've been able to look forward to actual baseball on Alberta's diamonds. But after the provincial government announced its roadmap to reopening, baseball organizers started formalizing their return to play plans. There's an air of cautious optimism, especially knowing the plans can and likely will change. So we thought we'd go right to the sources this week and chat with a couple of people who've been helping drive those preparations forward. We'll start things off with Baseball Alberta Programs Coordinator Ryan Bird. With Stage 1 starting June 1st, practices in groups of 10 were allowed to proceed. If all goes according to plan, Phase 2 would start June 10th, meaning opening weekend could be as early as June 12th and 13th. We talk about that, some of the guidance received thus far, and what they'll need to get things going smoothly. Ryan, thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. Yeah, no problem. Glad to be here. Talk us through what it was like being in the Baseball Alberta room when you found out that, hey, we're, we might actually be able to have a season here. We might actually be able to start planning around a firm date and things might be getting back to normal-ish uh, starting mid-June. Uh, big smiles. Um, it was really nice to hear uh, that we had the, the chance to play baseball this year. And, 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 you know, we were prepping in the office for um, the ability to have a season and, and what a regular season would look like instead of um, stuff that we had last year with cohorts and, and um, that kind of structure. So we were, we were planning for a regular season and it was finally nice to get that confirmation that, you know, that prep work that we had done will actually be used. Um, you know, there's, when we were prepping, you prep for multiple scenarios and you just hope one of them sticks. And uh, one of them did stick. And obviously it's the one that we all want, which is a, a regular season with what sounds to be very minimal restrictions. Um, and we'll, we'll hear when we get there. But um, yeah, it was a big smiles in the room. Um, and then a little bit of um, <laughs> a little bit of anxiety with making sure that we had all the pieces set um on all fronts schedules umpires um registration insurance all of these kinds of things start now really bubbling um because people are obviously going to want to know that a lot quicker so big excitement then turned into all right let's get to work and and let's put this stuff out for everyone how challenging has it been over the last, I'll say, 15 months-ish or so as you kind of tried to to move with those goalposts to make sure that, A, you are you have the plan in place, but also that it's an executionable plan? Uh, yeah, it was, it was challenging. Um, you know, it's, it's you can only under, um, understand so much um, that the government gives out to you without getting cl- further clarification. Um, that seemed to be a common theme. Uh, for us over the last couple uh, or the last 15 months, as you mentioned, but um, you know, that, that we get the guidelines, we read over the guidelines, we try to make sense of it as best as we can. We ship off any questions we have, which everyone else is also doing. So this isn't just a baseball thing and Mm. (laughs) to have a, a bunch of sports 
asking all these questions then means that clarification comes in the document. So it means multiple days of checking this document. And, and you know, one thing we learned over um, last year and, and one thing that um, our old executive director, Tam, talked about learning last year when we were in our AGM was patience. Uh, you know, the, the guidance would come out um, and we'd feel the need that right away we got to put something out so people know what we're doing. And it, that turned into let's wait a couple days uh, because things may move um, and things did move. And um, I can only imagine how hard that is for, for the government and AHS to, to deal with that stuff. And, and our job is just to follow it and ask the right questions. And, um, and, and we feel that we did that and uh, had to make those changes when needed. And, and I feel like that helped us getting into this season where we, you know, as I mentioned, we had multiple scenarios based on, you know, what we were hearing. Um, there are, these are some options. Uh, we tried to make them make scenarios and schedules based on those options. And hopefully wherever the goalposts move next, we were ready for. And we, we were very happy that we, we were more ready um, than I think sometimes you, you think you will be because there were some times last year where you thought you had everything in place and then the guidelines come out and they're completely different from anything you've done. And uh, to, to then have to make those changes so quickly was, was, uh, was definitely challenging. Outside of talking to AHS and health authorities and that kind of thing, how much did you lean on other sports, other organizations to try to get some guidance on, hey, what are you guys doing that might be able to help us come up with a plan of action so that you can return to play as quickly as possible? Uh, yeah, we, we relied on a, a lot of people or a lot of sport organizations, um, some that are in our building here. Um, some that are just the other baseball associations around the province, just seeing what they're, or the province, the country, just to see what they're doing. Um, you know, part of our return to play document, um, or the, even the template of, of how it looks that was in, um, in the works with, um, I believe a similar one to soccer. Uh, we had a message them and said, Hey, we really like how this is laid out. Um, would you be okay if we kind of use this template? It seems really easy to follow. And of course, all sports at that time were like, yeah, like do, do whatever you need to do to, to make sure you're as clear as possible. Um, I've personally talked to softball earlier this year um, just to gauge, you know, hey, what are you guys thinking? How are you guys planning to do things? And, um, you know, we've we talked to quite a bit of uh, people. And then on top of that, uh, last year, we, we definitely had a lot of communication with all sports over Zoom. There used to be a, a weekly or biweekly kind of call where, um uh, we'd have a Tam usually step in and, and represent us and, and kind of ask the questions she needs to ask and um, get some answers from, you know, anyone from athletics to basketball, Alberta, and, and just trying to see what they're also putting in. And, and that was a huge help. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about the the return to play document itself and, and some of the things that um, those who are going to be playing, the parents who are going to be uh, obviously carting their their kids from point A to point B, some of the, the key messaging that is coming from that document for those who are curious. Yeah, so so right now, obviously, because we're in stage one, it's it's a lot of what we've had before. So if you if you go on, you'll see that groups of 10 and you'll see the distancing that's required and um, you'll also see what you need to fill out to make sure you're covered when you're on the field for, for stage one, um, whether that's a waiver or whether that's just making sure your kids are um, signing the contact tracing that we have for, for when you're going. When we get into stage two, we'll see uh, 
how the government wants to relay their new information to us um, before we put anything concrete out. Um, right now, it, if you go onto the AHS website, it says um, looking to reopen as of June 10th, and it says no restriction on sport. And um, that sometimes, you know, right off the hop sounds um, like nothing is going to happen. There will be no restrictions. Um, but, you know, we've also had times in the past where we said that this is what's going to happen in stage two. And then we get to stage two and we actually move some of that stuff to stage three. And and this is what the document might look like now. So we'll wait to see when that happens, um, what comes out of that. And we'll put out our document accordingly. But, you know, we're hoping that the restrictions, if any, or the guidelines, I should say, that that do come out, if any, um, are they sound like they'll be pretty minimal. So we'll, we'll be able to, to work around that and, and provide that as soon as we can. Again, like I said before, it, it might take a couple days because we see it come out and we'll have our questions. Um, but it, it should be out before we start playing. And, and hopefully it is as they've mentioned um, already where there's pretty much little to no restriction for us to play. How important is it going to be in terms of each community and each uh, zone, for example, to sort of take their own lead to a certain extent and make sure that they're comfortable with the rules and regulations? I use the example of, of Fort McMurray facing the challenges that they did earlier on in the spring. And uh, obviously there's there's going to be a little bit of trepidation depending on where they might be. Yeah, um, you know, in, in, in terms of your region, uh, you know, different regions may want to put, or different municipalities might want to put in different guidelines when we when we go into the years. So it, it's just about being aware of that. Um, Baseball Alberta can't go to every single municipality meeting and, and every single um, document that the municipality puts out um, to outline each specific region of what they're doing. Um, so that's where the association really comes in. And, you know, if you're in Oyen, and you'll know more of what's going on in Oi, and then we probably will if there's something specific there. Um, exa- good example of that would be last year uh, when they opened up diamonds. Um, some diamonds didn't open up right away, and we wouldn't know that, but the associations would, and it, because they would be talking to their municipalities. So um, these are some things. Uh, I don't know if diamonds will be the, the same kind of problem, but you know something as simple as masks. Maybe your municipality has a higher case rate at a specific time in the summer. And they want to make sure that, you know, while you're playing baseball, maybe it's if you're on the field, no mask, but you're in the dugout, then you need to wear masks, you know, kind of like what we see in the MLB right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe they want to put something in like that. And and, and just being aware of um, the changes that are going on in your municipality are going to be crucial, um, specifically because we'll, we'll have the general document. We'll have some guidelines for stage two that we would recommend. Um, but there might be some different, um, regulations put in place from, from your own municipality that would probably come more into place than we would. And another good example of that would be masks. We might say masks recommended just to make people comfortable, but maybe they say masks are mandatory. Mm -hmm. And, And those are things that we need to, to watch out for. And if that does come up, hopefully we learn about it quickly and, and can make that communication to any groups traveling in that area. Um, so, and, and that's the next part too, is once you know, as an association, what's happening, it's really good to communicate that back to us, um, especially as parents and players and from other associations will have questions, especially if they're traveling. And, um, it's always good for all of us to be on the same page. 
we were joking off air about how people in baseball seem to be wearing a whole lot of hats uh, across the board. And so I'm, I'm curious, as you look across the board and you look at how many people are doing different things, are there any gaps? Maybe this is a shameless self-promotion piece here, but are there pieces to the puzzle volunteer-wise, coaching-wise, umpire-wise that you see needing to be filled as we approach the season? Yeah, so I'd say the the biggest thing that we're probably lacking right now is is our umpire group. Um, normally, the umpire group is the hardest group to fill in a regular year. Um, this isn't new, um, but you know the the good news is is our associations have built back up their teams um, to what similar numbers to what they would have had in 2019, which is fantastic, and that's great to see. But usually, one thing that um, we see we always seem to forget about. Um, at the baseball level is we have those teams and we have games set and we're ready to go. And the one thing that's missing is the official and, and the umpire. And, and, you know, the, the big thing then comes to play is, well, is, is this game now an official game? Like, what are, what are we doing with this game? And um, are we going to even play this game without an official? And um, they're such an integral part of, of what we do here. Um, I sit on uh, the umpire committee and I, I chat with the provincial supervisor, Brandon Strocky daily. Um, and, and that's one th message that he brings to um, our board at the board level. He also brings it to his local association um, that it's, it's great that we, we build these teams up and, and let's build that umpire group with them uh, because it, it is a, a tough thing to build. Uh, a lot of umpires get a lot of criticism and that's usually why that we see umpires kind of lack behind or lag behind um, the rest of the group of players and coaches. Um, it's a it's a tough sell, and and that's why we need our associations and, and people volunteering within their associations to to communicate with whoever wants to try and be an official. We've had online clinics for uh, I think since March. Um, our last one uh, online theory. It's coming up this weekend. If, if people still want to register, it's, it's on the baseball Alberta website. Uh, and then after that, we're looking at doing on-field clinics and whether you take the online theory or you can take the on-field or yeah, the online theory or the on-field positioning clinic uh, this year, you'll be able to be an umpire this year. Um, we're, we're trying to open the doors a little bit more for anyone who wants to give it a shot this year. Um, to, to put things in, you know, perspective, uh, I would say that our, our umpire group right now is, is probably at half of what it normally is. And, um, for those who have been in baseball Alberta for a while, they, they know that, um, grabbing umpires is, is a tough thing already in terms of when we have a normal season with the normal amount of umpires we have. Um, so to, to build that group up, from that 50% we're at to a, to a bigger number um, would be fantastic. Um, again, I guess my, my pitch is for anyone who is, you know, looking to make some money this summer for anyone that wants to be a part of a community within the baseball community. Um, they're a fantastic group of individuals. Um, like I said, I, I talked to Brandon Strockey every other day, weekly, um, I talked to that committee weekly. They're an amazing group of people. Um, if you need support, they're there for you. Um, if you're a first time umpire and you have questions, they're there for you. 
Um, these guys give out their phone numbers and emails at clinics. Like they, they want you to communicate with them. Um, if you want to be a part of that type of community, if you want to make some money uh, this summer, especially with jobs being a little bit uh, um, less right now and a lot of people looking for jobs, it's a fantastic opportunity uh, for, for people to look to get in and, and see baseball from a different vantage point. Final question for you, and speaking of the umpires, they're the ones that are going to be yelling it, but how excited are you to finally hear play ball across this province? I'm super excited. Uh, I don't remember the last time I might have been this uh, excited for a season. Um, maybe my um, maybe my first year playing ball ever. Who knows? But it's, uh, it's going to be so nice. Um, I'm going to be out at a, a multiple fields this year. Um, I'm going to be trying, going to try and, you know, communicate with some uh, teams if I can, but also get some photos of, of kids enjoying themselves and, and, and playing baseball. Um, I know Sheen in the office is always out at the diamonds pretty much uh, daily. Once the season gets going, mm-hmm. he's going to love doing that. I know that's a big part of his job that he misses. Um, it's going to be huge. And, uh, we, we can't wait to get back. We can't wait to see, you know, kids smiling and enjoying themselves and being outside. That's a whole other thing, just being outside and playing mm-hmm. sports. Um, but, uh, we, we're, we're super excited um, to everyone who's getting ready for the season. Uh, wish you good luck. Uh, hopefully you have a provincial championship medal in your, uh, in your uh, house at the end of the year. Um, and we, we can't wait to, to see how the season uh, turns out this year. Really uh, appreciate all of your efforts, all the efforts of everybody behind the scenes of baseball. Alberta, Ryan, really appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you again. Next up is Western Canadian Baseball League President Kevin Cavami. Just like with baseball in Alberta, there are a lot of moving parts with getting back on the field. The added factor with the WCBL is fans. How many will be able to show up? What amenities will and will not be made available? And what kinds of things they'll need to be ready for? But we also talked about the makeup of this all-Canadian season with five teams suiting up and what the players will need to keep in mind. Kevin, thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. Thanks, Joe. Glad to be here. Looks as though we're going to get ourselves a WCBL season after all. Lots to dive into with it. But let's start off with this question. Uh, What's it been like over the last little while having to roll with all the punches and trying to make this all become a reality? Um, Well, I guess the old cliche, patience is a virtue, uh, is is the exact analogy that I'll use for the last uh, uh, number of months. You know, we've, we've... had to do some planning, but we've had to be very patient and not overreact to, to you know, what is going on around us that we have no control over. So we did what we could to, to make sure that the teams that felt they could pull something off could. And, uh, you know, I think that we have five solid clubs. They're ready to go all Canadian this year and show some great talent on the field and give some fans some baseball. You touched on some really key points in that season, the all-Canadian rosters, five teams taking part, all of it, and a lot of moving parts logistically as well. What's been the hardest part of trying to organize something like this while things are kind of rolling uh, rolling along from a, a guidance and, and health perspective? You know, I think the, the, the hardest part was not knowing how it was going to look once we got to the opening day. 
um, whether fans could be allowed in the stands, how much protocols we had to have, testing, uh, all of that stuff, where our vaccination rate was going to be. I mean, we've been monitoring these numbers for, you know, three or four months now, and it's uh, it's important to uh, realize that, you know, as things as things progress, we were anticipating things were going to get better, and in fact, they have. So our uh, our belief in the system and the belief in in the, the the overall citizenry of Alberta has paid off. We'll dive a little bit into the end of the season itself now, and uh, it's got to be really exciting to showcase the Canadian talent and especially the young Canadian talent. Uh, this is going not just going to be teams that are are putting together rosters full of fourth and fifth year college guys. You're really seeing some some really grade A uh, high school talent coming up as well. Yeah, I mean, there's some tremendous talent that some of these clubs have had, and some the grade 12 talent that's going to be on some of the clubs that um, want to want to showcase that. You know, I I, I think it's going to be an exciting brand of baseball. Uh, I don't think it's going to take a big hit in talent-wise, and we're going to showcase uh, Canadians uh, uh, this summer on on the five clubs. So it's going to be a, you know, I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of uh, competitive disadvantage for the five teams. I think it's going to be exciting to see uh, the Canadians have to step up. And, and you know, some of the teams have had a lot of Canadians on their rosters before. So I think that that bodes well for for uh, the summer for the teams that are uh, that are playing. Some interesting dynamics with the five teams. You have uh, the Stalwarts, the Lethbridge Bulls obviously taking part. You have the Edmonton Prospects, although they're going to be on the road while being at home at the same time. You have the expansion Sylvan Lake Gulls, and you have a couple of teams from Okotoks. How will each of these teams, and maybe even yourself, be gauging success on a season like this where it's not quite the full season, but it's also a bit of an opportunity to to showcase the brand? Yeah, um, you know the five clubs have have uh, great um, uh, structures to their organization, which really allows them to to uh, participate this year. Um, you know we were quite disappointed to to see that the Saskatchewan clubs couldn't participate. There was just um, you know a lot of them rely on uh, uh, off season fundraising, which has been decimated by this pandemic. And the last thing you want to do is put them in a situation where they're not able to come back in a normal 2022 season and uh, um, participate beyond and they, they bankrupt themselves by, by a un, unique season this year. And then unique situations also in Medicine Hat with uh, um, them being displaced from their ballpark mm-hmm. again um, and just the uncertainty of everything uh, um, you know, I think Greg's going to take the year to get his park in tip-top shape for 2022 and uh, and be back bigger, stronger than ever uh, that in, in that year. And then uh, Fort McMurray, um, logistically, um, Edmonton playing on the road, their closest is Sylvan Lake, and just logistically and costs were going to be a factor there. And also then Fort McMurray had a bad situation going with COVID. So um, that she just kind of heartbroken that he couldn't do it, but um, he'll be back in 2022 as well. And we, we, we can't wait to get back to normal, but let's have some fun this summer with a, with a uh, unique season and, uh, and uh, we'll declare a champion come the uh, latter part of August and, 
and uh, move on. I know a lot of fans are kind of curious as to what the layout of the land is going to be when it comes to actually getting back into the stands. How fluid do each of the teams have to be when it comes to uh, getting ready for the potential of a few fans and then possibly and hopefully ramping up to full capacity again in the not too distant future? Yeah, I think that the government policies are we're kind of monitoring them. Um, you know, we anticipate being in phase two of the relaunch here come uh, um, the 10th or 12th. So that would be for opening day. Um, you know, we can uh, um, get a third of capacity for grandstands in on the phase two. So teams are looking at, you know, having a set number of seats, which you know, in you know, in Lethbridge's case is probably around the 500 mark, and in Okotoks' case is probably around the 800 mark. Um, so we're trying to be careful about what we do there and come up with policies and obviously things like sanitation stations and all that stuff because we want the fans to to feel comfortable but also feel safe, and of course we want our players to be safe on the, on this as well. So we still have to have some protocols in place that we're we're looking at, but. Uh, um, generally we're we're excited for opening day and then you know if we can add fans in a safe fashion later in the season and get more to full capacity uh you know i think the fans are excited to have things to do um things to go to uh i think that you know we're monitoring what's been happening in major league baseball I mean, certainly we don't have crowds that um are approaching what the the, the teams in Houston and, and Texas have, and now other teams are getting closer to full capacity. And those are, you know, tens of thousands of people, not, not uh, just, you know, a couple thousand or so. So I think it's, it's boding well. And the, 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 you know, the metrics of the, of the pandemic are, are also trending well. So I think we're, we're on the back end of this and we just got to make the right decisions to, to, um, get us back on the field and, and get the fans back in the stands so that everybody feels comfortable and safe. Talk a little bit about those ongoing conversations that you've been having with health authorities, maybe with other organizations, that kind of thing to help sort of guide what you are doing, guide what uh, will be done going forward, because obviously you need to make sure that everything's being adhered to, because the last thing you want to do is, is have some sort of stumble down the line. Yeah, there's ongoing considerations and, and that I, I think that, you know, if you look at you look at the matrix, I mean, we're going to be as a league promoting that the last thing we need is people that are feeling ill to come to the ballpark. I mean, if we could get over that that hurdle, you know, not just during the pandemic, but, but beyond that, we would eliminate a lot of disease in the country if people would just stay away if they're not feeling well. Um, so that's number one. We got to promote that thing. The uh, number two is the hygiene part of it, you know, personal hygiene and sanitation at, at the ballparks. And we're taking a focus in on that. Um, your third area of concern is obviously masking. You know, if you're, if you're not within six feet of people uh, that are outside your bubble, um, you're fine, uh, especially outdoors. I mean, outdoor sports and, and that activities have proven to be very safe. But where you run into problems is getting to the ballpark in a vehicle with multiple people um, or congesting people at the ballpark um, 
without masks when you don't know who you're congesting with. So we want to find a way to limit that type of contact. Um, that, that goes to things like lineups at the gate, lineups at your concessions. So I know that in some cases we're looking at, at uh, online ordering. We're looking at uh, online ticketing being almost mandatory. Um, obviously we'll have situations for those people that don't deal online that we can find solutions for them as well. Um, but yeah, just some new challenges, I guess, that we have to overcome to make it uh, as safe as possible for people to to be at the little ballpark. And then, you know, when they are at the ballpark, um, stay in their little group as much as possible and stay apart from other groups. And, you know, if we do those things, we're going to keep everybody safe, whether there's 500 people in here or, or 5,000 people in that Okadokes. And obviously the other aspect of this too happens to be the the athletes who are going to be taking part in this as well. What kind of guidance are you giving to those teams um, to impress upon those players who are going to be either billeted or staying with their parents or that kind of thing to make sure that they are remaining safe if they're out and about going to the mall or whatever the case may be outside of baseball? Yeah, we're obviously asking them to, to first of all, you know, we're recommending vaccination. It's not mandatory, but if they are if they aren't vaccinated, then there may be additional measures that they have to take to, to stay safe uh, because they're more likely to be able to catch the virus if they're not vaccinated. Um, but uh, I don't think that it's in our position to mandate it. Mm -hmm. um, same with fans. I mean, mandating that it's not our it's not our role. But we can say that you have to prove you're vaccinated to come to a game. I mean, the Indianapolis 500 managed to do it on Sunday. Uh, I said that's a quite the challenge. They had 125,000 people at, mm -hmm. at the Speedway, and everybody had to prove that they had a vaccination. So uh, I thought that was an amazing stat that I read about. So um, just things like that. You know, I mean, if our players are vaccinated, then – the, the likelihood of them being safe are really good. And we feel very comfortable with that and allowing them to basically do what they do. Um, if they're not, then we have to be a little bit more careful. How challenging has it been from a personal perspective in having to kind of keep all the balls up because you're not only dealing with WCBL, but obviously you have your connections with CCBC, you have your connections with little league as well. I mean, there's, there's so many different aspects to this and is it tough to keep it straight or has it been pretty much uh, one rule for all in a sense? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, like I said at the beginning, you know, whether it's hurry up and wait or patience is a virtue, I mean, those are the type that you had to apply that to everybody. Like, like it was my belief from day one this year that, and I'm a little off on my timing because I really thought we would have a, a start in May, but it just wasn't feasible with that third wave that happened. It just became, oh, my God, mm -hmm. we didn't need that, but it happened. Um but it was my belief that that the numbers were going to trend in this way, and and uh, you know you look at other similar countries, and if you actually do the research, you can see that what's going to happen. And um, you know, I I laugh at people that that kind of question the the logic to some of this stuff when when the proof is right in front of you if you actually do the research as to as to what happens when your vaccination rate goes up and your and you have more and more people protected and it, it, it stops the virus from transmitting and it tracks. So, um, you know, I think that until we got to that level, we were, 
we had to be really, really careful. And now we just have to be smart about how we move forward. So it applied to all the groups. So um, it was like, we are going to have a season. We're going to have a season as has been the messaging from day one, what it looks like once things are, once we get to the levels we need to get to, um, we'll make those decisions when that time comes and be ready to roll. So we've been encouraging everybody to stay, stay ready, encourage everybody not to get frustrated with, restrictions and uh, things like that and and be ready to roll once once the green light's given and you know now yesterday or I guess it, yeah, it was yesterday that uh, phase one fully started and so the teams are back on the field practicing and getting ready and little league I know a lot of the leagues in Alberta are scheduling uh, games um, starting the the 10th or so. Uh, I think Baseball Alberta is starting their programs around then. So they were, you know, in the same boat we were. They were ready to roll as soon as they got the green light. So to the leaders of all the programs, that's been an awesome um, synergy that they've created to, to make sure that the kids get back on the field this summer from one end of the province to the other and uh, playing baseball. Final question for you here, Kevin. How excited are you for that day when you can finally hear for the first time and on what feels like forever play ball? Yeah, I think it's going to be awesome. Uh, you know, um, the, the local games happened last summer. We kept it all safe. Now everybody's going to be back on the field in uh, short order here. Um, so it's, it's going to be really exciting for everybody. And I'm especially thrilled for the players because you know, they've, they've taken a big hit and that through the uh, whole pandemic situation. So it's, it's going to be awesome. And, uh, you know, I think the games are going to be awesome. And I think the fans having something to do and something to do safely in these communities is going to be, you know, invigorating to the communities as well. So we just can't wait to get on the field and, and show the talent off. Real quick, 15 days, 16 days until that opening day. It's going to be a sprint, but we're really looking forward to it. Kevin, really appreciate the update. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Joe. Thanks again to both Ryan Bird and Kevin Cavami for joining us to provide updates on what's to come with Baseball Alberta and the WCBL. And thanks to all of you for downloading and listening. We're not only looking forward to seeing people back on the field, but hopefully Mother Nature provides us with some nice weather to go along with those sweet sounds of baseball. Until next time, thanks for all of your support, no matter the platform of Alberta Dugout Stories.